one moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences, financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Welcome and good morning, Fraud Talkers. I am your host, Chris Marquet, on the Voice America Online Radio Network. You can find us on the business channel for Voice America, and we are pleased to be on this platform. Uh, today's program is going to be slightly different, but nonetheless a great one, uh, as the topic will be resume fraud, a.k.a. resume lying a.k.a. Uh, cheating uh, on your resume. Um, we will be joined shortly by my special guest, Wendy Sullivan, who is a career private investigator based in Northern California with uh, 25 years of experience, uh, in, and she is an expert in the area of due diligence and background checking, among others. Uh, and we will be talking about how to spot the resume lies, including the top 10 resume lies and uh, the background checking process in general. Um, just uh, for you folks out there, you can find an article I wrote uh, actually some, some years ago now called the top 10 resume lies, which still to this day, after I think about eight years, still is one of the top um, uh, hits on my website. So feel free to go take a look. Uh, you can t- download it. It's a PDF on my website, but we're going to be talking about that today uh, with Wendy. And uh, <clears throat> But let's not forget the mantra, and that is at any time in any organization, there's always some, somebody who's up to no good. Uh, and that's true in just about anything. So uh, we are here as Fraud Talk to try to help educate the business community about the perils and pitfalls of fraud in the economy. And in this case, uh, we're going to talk about people trying to cheat their way into your uh, employee uh, by faking something or another on their on their resumes and um, hopefully educating folks in how to uh, try to spot it and uh, if not uh, themselves and um, having reputable folks uh, take a look, a hard look at people, especially key individuals. Uh, that you're bringing into your organization. And uh, so in any event, uh, Fraud Talk, we're here to try to tamp down, squelch, and shed light on the whole topic of white-collar fraud. Uh, So the call-in line today, if you'd like to join our discussion uh, with Wendy and myself, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790 if you would like to join the discussion. Uh, You can find me on all the major social media, including Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, Our handle at Twitter is at Fraud Talk, and we use the hashtag Fraud Talk. You can also find our blog, which is also called Fraud Talk, hosted on Blogspot. Uh, Also, you can call me directly or email me at chris at marquetinternational.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-E-T, international, all one word, dot com. If you've got a question, comment, or suggested fraud of the week. So today, however, I'm, I'm going to replace the fraud of the week with several public examples 
uh, over the last couple of months. I mean, this is just the last couple of months, two, three months uh, uh, of resume fraud. That these are things that have hit the press in one way or another, and uh, and the con- consequences of that. Uh, the first case is a Marine Corps had to acknowledge that the retiring commandant of the Marine Corps, four-star general, James uh, Amos, <clears throat> did not attend the Corps' officer training school, as he told the Senate Armed Services Committee uh, in a signed resume that he had graduated their uh, training school in 1972. And in reality, he graduated from the basic school in 1977 through a correspondence course rather than uh, at the school itself in Quantico. Uh, here, a blemish on this guy who's due to retire literally in a month, uh, and it's uh, kind of a, a sad blemish to what was otherwise an exemplary uh, career with the Marines. Another case, the Georgia Attorney General announced it recently would be prosecuting a woman by the name of Donna Alexander, who allegedly fabricated her resume in order to get her job with the state. She was hired in the fall of 2012 as Human Resources Director for the state at a salary of 92 grand and started working before her background check was completed. And here's the good news, that they actually did a background check. Uh, <clears throat> now, the State Attorney General's office is prosecuting her on seven counts of making false statements about her education education and work uh, background on her resume. When investigators started checking into her background, the address uh, she provided uh, turned out to be non-existent. That was just for starters. Uh, and she was fired and, and promptly disappeared for the last past two years, but was arrested this summer um, getting off a cruise ship from Miami. So here's a case where uh, the consequence is not only losing your job, but getting prosecuted uh, for making false, uh, material false statements. Another case, in October, Walmart's top spokesman resigned over a two-decades-old resume lie. David Tovar, T-O-V-A-R, claimed he had a bachelor's degree from the University of Delaware, when in fact he never finished the required coursework to get a diploma. The lie was exposed during a background check while Tovar was being considered for a promotion. And, and Tovar, who was, the, who was the VP of corporate communications at Walmart, had been a, reportedly been a rising star at the company, but his resume lie cost him the job. And here's another, that's an interesting point here in this case, where uh, the background check was done at an interim step during his employ. And that's something that we recommend doing regularly, especially for key individuals as people rise through the ranks. Uh, circumstances change in their lives, and uh, background checks are uh, recommended to make sure that uh, things haven't changed. And in this case, sounds like they must never have done one in the first place because they found the uh, the fact that he didn't go to the University of uh, Delaware and uh, shit-canned him. In any event, another case this past October was announced that the former public information officer for the Tucson Police Department, Maria Hawk, H-A-W-K-E, has been fired from her job because she lied on her resume about her educational degrees. Tucson Police Department HR uh, reviewed Hawk's education background during the promotion process to become a lieutenant. HR officers discovered that Hawk could not prove that she had degrees from the University of Arizona in sociology, biochemistry, and the classics, even though she told HR that she earned those degrees. The report also stated that Hawk wrote an online bio for the Southern Arizona Women of Law Enforcement, which also claimed to have those same three degrees. 
Uh, she now can no longer be hired by the police department, but apparently she can apply for employment at other departments within the city. And finally, a case right here in my own backyard, Massachusetts. Uh, Governor Deval Patrick put the gabosh on a license application for two medical marijuana dispensaries that were to be opened by a company called New England Treatment Access Inc. because its executive director, Kevin Fisher, apparently lied about his educational background. So Fisher claimed in the application he had earned a bachelor's degree in psychology from Youngstown State University, but the school said it had no record uh, that he received any degree. A, ba- a uh, screening company, background screening company hired by the state, detected the missing degree, uh, I guess, uh, back in the spring, but let the state uh, uh, go forward with plans to open the dispensaries anywhere. In any event, the governor um, finally put the kibosh on this, um, and uh, it's the whole, the whole two, the both of those two dispensaries are on hold, out of the eleven that have been sanctioned by the state. So it should be interesting how how that one plays out. So again, the good news here is that um, may, uh, companies and institutions and government governmental entities are in fact conducting background checks uh, that are catching some of these resume lies, and of course they have uh, you know real time. Uh, consequences in these cases, uh, but I can tell you that it is absolutely the tip of the iceberg. Uh, I want to get, I want to bring in Wendy. Uh, well, hey, Wendy, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, this is Wendy Sullivan, uh, my special guest. Uh, I have known Wendy for almost 30 years uh, when she worked with me in the San Francisco office of Kroll Associates going back to the mid-late 1980s. Um, it's a long time, Wendy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't, I can't believe. Shocking, shocking. Wendy is a uh, career uh, investigator uh, with a couple of stints, one in headhunting and uh, um, uh, also, what was the other piece? Started you in t- advertising. Advertising, that's right. Yeah, before you joined, before uh, I hired you, in fact. That's uh, right. She- and so Wendy is the founder and CEO of Pickering Sullivan Investigations based in the Bay Area. And uh, she brings nearly 25 years of experience in corporate investigations and business intelligence. Prior to founding Pickering Sullivan Investigations, Ms. Sullivan served as an associate managing director of Guidepost Solutions, a global leader in monitoring compliance, international investigations, and risk management solutions. Before joining Guidepost, she served for 12 years as a senior director of the Ozo Group, a boutique San Francisco investigations firm trusted by Fortune 100 companies and top-tier law firms to conduct business-critical litigation support, internal investigations, due diligence, and theft of trade secrets investigations around the globe. Uh, In these roles, Ms. Sullivan and her team actively supervised a network of national and international investigators and conducted research via public and private documents proprietary databases, and interviews. She began her career with Kroll Associates, the world-renowned company that started the corporate investigations industry. And for nine years, she managed the company's West Coast research team, overseeing domestic and international investigations, including fraud investigations, corporate contests, due diligence inquiries, asset searches, and numerous other types of investigations for a variety of of clients. Uh, Wendy is a member of the California Association of Licensed Investigators and the Society for Corporate Compliance and Ethics, and she is a licensed private investigator in the state of California, which is not so easy to get. 
and holds a BA degree from the University of California at Berkeley, class of 1984. You can find Wendy at www.pickeringsullivan.com just the way it sounds p-i-c-k-e-r-i-n-g s-u-l-l-i-v-a-n.com Woo! How's that, Wendy? That was good. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, to get out. You have, I mean, you have uh, spent most of your career in the investigators arena, but even in your stint at uh, at the headhunting firm, you're doing research and fact finding. Um, tell us about your evolution in the career as an investigator and how you got into this business in the first place. Absolutely. Well, after um, college, I I was working for uh, a company that is now, uh, who knows what iteration, but Dancer Fitzgerald. Uh, in San Francisco, and I was working there for a couple of years when I got a, a call to come uh, interview with Kroll Associates, which is an industry, you know, corporate investigations that I hadn't even considered. Went in, met with uh, Chris and some of the other senior officers there, and started out as a researcher. So really, just you know, compiling facts for cases that we were working on, whether it be through court documents, database, as much as they were back in the '80s getting database information together and compiling backgrounds for a variety of types of cases, just like Chris was mentioning. It could have been, you know, due diligence, pre-acquisition for for companies, certainly a lot of uh, litigation support, uh, pre-hire investigations into individuals and their backgrounds. And as I evolved um, and and learned more about the business, I ended up, you know, essentially starting and and running the the West Coast uh, Research Department so coordinating anything that investigators would need in terms of business, uh, in terms of information for, for businesses and individuals. Um, and every, every investigation kind of starts out the same. What do we know about this person? What can we find out? What can we confirm? Um, what can we pick apart? Depending on, obviously, what type of case it is. So I did that for quite a few years um, and then uh, moved to the East Coast and decided to try another um, a similar business certainly different in many ways, but a lot of similarities, which was uh, corporate uh, recruiting. So I was doing executive recruiting for Spencer Stewart, a big firm in the New York area. Um, was a little surprised at how little due diligence um, it appears that um, companies that do executive recruiting actually do on some of the candidates that they're putting forward. Um, so that was something I was trying to also, as well as recruit people for certain positions for certain companies, was also trying to get a sense if they were truthfully presenting themselves as we as we promoted them and, and suggested them as candidates for certain roles. Um, after doing that for about four years, I came back to the West Coast um, and went back into investigations with um, with a small boutique firm, as, as Chris mentioned. And that was where I really was able to, to start evolving as an investigator and, and really, you know, case manage everything from the beginning to the to the end of, a, of any sort of a case that we were working on, whether it be an international investigation, you know, fraud and, and due diligence were big parts of that role. We got acquired by um, a company, uh, Guidepost Solutions, which is a, a big kind of curl-ish type of company, very well known as well. And I worked for them for a few years, um, but really decided that it was time for me to really go out on my own after a few years of that wanted to uh, to really be responsible for my clients and for my cases and and I work with a great network of people that I've known for many years including people like Chris who I've known for 30 years um so it's been able it's it's been a really interesting evolution into you know ultimately getting my own business and and 
and having my own clients and really enjoying all, all aspects of, of uh, case research and investigations. Right, we'll have to uh, we need to take a break here, Wendy, uh, and that's uh, it's a terrific uh, history. Uh, we'll be back in two minutes. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Workplaces are only as strong as their teams. Teams are only as strong as their individual members. Are you seeking a better way to take your business to a higher level? We're here to help. Listen for Leading with Social-Emotional Intelligence, Building Trust Through Intentionality and Vulnerability with host Glenn Harris. Together, we'll explore the five key behaviors of a cohesive team and other concepts designed to keep your team working smarter. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. My guest today is Wendy Sullivan at uh, Pickering Sullivan Investigations based out in the Bay Area, San Francisco area. And uh, our topic today is resume fraud and the top 10 resume lies. Welcome back, Wendy. Hi, thanks. So we were, we went through your history, which is uh, quite interesting. And uh, back and forth, you came to New York and then went back to the Bay Area, your hometown, and uh, started your your own firm. How long have you been with that new company? <laughs> I have. This is my first year. I am coming up on my year anniversary of starting my own business. So it's it's been interesting. Congratulations, and uh, I'm happy to say, uh, terrific resource, uh, uh, Wendy. Uh, so the 
top 10 resume highs. I mentioned this article I wrote some years ago that uh, went through and we sort of chronicled what we found doing, you know, lots and lots of background checks on usually senior level, high level people uh, for consideration. Um, I mean, you've seen this, these things from the headhunting side of the equation, no? Yeah, and uh, it's it's actually kind of surprising. There's been a few situations where uh, due diligence hasn't been done. It's it's a battle between executive recruiters and the companies that want to hire people. They both kind of assume the other one is doing the backgrounds on them. <laughs> so you know, basically the idea being, if you're putting forth a candidate, then you've confirmed everything on the resume, which is not true all the time. So that's something else to take into consideration. Even if you're working through a headhunter, there should be due diligence beyond that because both the company and the uh, recruiters are both kind of pushing that responsibility off, which I'm surprised hasn't blown up more than it has in the past. Um, there have been certain things in the news over the years about people going very far all through recruiters, and nobody's ever taken the time to check out their resume or you know, confirm anything on there. So it's an interesting gray area with the executive recruiting business. So that was, that was kind of an eye-opener for me when I started working for them, that less was done on that front than you would think. Yeah, and and frankly, and and we, you and I, and, and those of us out there in the investigative world, you know, preach to our clients saying, "Look, doing these things is routine. It is expected. It is something that every company, if they're not doing it, they should be doing it." And so, applicants really, uh, this is not a surprise. I mean, I think in the early days, way back when. Uh, when I started, when when you started, uh, there was some reluctance. I think uh, you know there is still some reluctance where you know companies like, well, you know, we don't want to come off as big brother, you know, by checking these people out and you know scaring them and that kind of thing, uh, which is a, a little bit of BS because in fact what you're doing is protecting the company, uh, correct? Right, absolutely. And it is it is interesting that, that people just, uh, you basically assume that this stuff has been done by somebody else. That's why people get so far in their careers, and nobody happens to ever take the time to confirm these backgrounds. And everybody assumes because they got the next role that they were, you know, put into, that somebody must have done it to get them to that position. And then the next step in their, in their career, people are assuming that there's an, a lot of assumptions, I guess would be the way I'd have to, to phrase that, that somebody else has done it. And At when you point, make an assumption, yes. And when you make an assumption, you make an ass out mm, of you, you and bet me. It. right. So <laughs> um, the yeah. So so you got to be doing background checks. This is expected. It's not something that's foreign, uh, even in transactions and acquisition mergers and acquisitions, uh, where we do a lot of that kind of work. Uh, it's expected. So nothing should be. A surprise to people who are, you know, key individuals. Uh, you need to check out their their histories, track records, and backgrounds. And um, you know, my, uh, you're right. I mean, one of the most spectacular examples of this recently is Scott Thompson, who was named the CEO for Yahoo uh, just a couple of years ago, or a year and a half ago, or so. And turned out that he had fibbed on his. A resume and and his uh, his educational background, uh, and then was promptly fired. But of course, you know, once that happens, 
you have you know the the stock takes a hit the the reputation of the organization yes. takes a hit it's it's not a good thing well it raises questions about everything how does the business do you know how is the business conducted if they can't even do a basic thing like a, a background check what does that say about the rest of the organization and other things that they're doing how much how much thought and due diligence are they putting into acquisitions certainly making major hires it it, it calls a lot of things into question same on when you're looking at an individual and they're fudging just a little bit here and a little bit there. What does that say? You know, why, why is somebody feeling, I would rather not have the education claimed if it's, if it's not going to help you. People make the most ridiculous kind of claims, and it's not even anything that's going to make you decide or not decide to hire someone. It just brings your own personal ethics into question when, when it's discovered. Yeah, my favorite case my favorite story is uh, one that I've highlighted on our Resume Liars Club on, on the website. That's the uh, – if you go to marquetinternational.com, you can check out the Resume Liars Club. That it's, you know, 60-odd cases of uh, – A lot of cases. <laughs> yeah. And, in fact, it's due for an update. I've got another uh, 25 or so cases to add to that. Uh, it's just a matter of putting it together. But uh, so we'll be up updating the Resume Liars Club soon. But in an incredible, ironic twist of fate, uh, a woman by the name of Marilee Jones, M-A-R-I-L-E-E Jones, who was the longtime dean of admissions for MIT, stepped down in April 2007 after she admitted that she'd falsified her own resume in order to get the position. Jones uh, was first hired by MIT in 1979 and made representations that she had degrees from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI, Union College, and Albany Medical College. In fact, she had no degree from any of those institutions uh, or any other university, uh, according to officials at, at MIT. And Jones had recently, back at that time, she had recently published a book called Less Stress, More Success, A New Approach to Guiding Your Teen Through College Admissions and Beyond. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And in that book, she has a statement that says, quote, Holding integrity is sometimes very hard to do because the temptation may be to cheat or cut corners. But just remember that what goes around comes around. Ah. Life has a funny way of giving back what you put out, end quote. So it did, it came back and bitter in the ass and, uh, you know, too bad. <laughs> yeah, man, that's funny. Justin. So, you know, we've been talking about, um, we're going to have to take a break, actually. Uh, I want to get into these, these resume, lies, re- resume lies, but we're going to take a two-minute break right now, and we'll be back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, 
consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. My guest today is Wendy Sullivan of the Pickering Sullivan Investigations Firm based out in the Bay Area of San Francisco. Um, she is a longtime uh, investigator and expert in all things due diligence and background checking and fact-finding and public records uh, and whatnot. And uh, we are talking about resume lying. Um, and hey, welcome back, Wendy. Hi. Thanks for having me. So uh, I want to get into these uh, top 10 resume lies. Again, this is something I put together an article, I think it was 06 maybe, um, which still gets you know massive number of hits on my website today. I uh, probably should update that thing. But in any event, uh, <clears throat> we have the top 10 resume lies and we have the Resume Liars Club on our website, uh, both of which are interesting to check out. But the top 10 resume lies uh, and uh, – the the one that you hear the most about by far is people who fib, exaggerate, fabricate, or otherwise misrepresent their education. Isn't that true, Wendy? Absolutely. That's the easiest to uh, hope that nobody's going to go make the checks on and uh, get away with. But, I mean, it, it is so easy. And I talked about the kid, just the incredible, ironic case of the head of admissions for MIT, Marilee Jones, who had faked three degrees, lied about three degrees she had, and wrote a book about, you know, how kids should be chill out about their application processes, that what, you know, they shouldn't lie and whatnot. <laughs> because what Crazy. goes around comes around. And, in fact, uh, it was found out. And, fr- frankly, I'm not sure, I can't recall how that case got found out. 
but uh, I think a reporter started digging in, doing some fact checking on because she was on a book tour with that with that book. I think that's how that came oh, about, God. amazingly so. But you know, sitting there at MIT for twenty eight years in a just a crucial role, uh, and uh, and then the embarrassment of it all. Uh, so, ad, exaggerating education and fabricating degrees, that's the number one thing. Um, this is easy to, to find out, isn't it, Wendy? How do you do this? It is easy. Um, it is, but it, things have changed. Uh, when I started out in the business, you picked up the phone and you spoke with a registrar um, at the university, and then you could ask more questions like how many years total did they attend the school, you know, any, degree, any, um, any awards, any, you know, uh, types of cum laude, anything like that. Um, nowadays, it, everybody is pretty much throwing all their, um, their, their records keeping to National Student Clearinghouse. So it's a situation where you're, you're not able to interact with anyone. And I'd say this is close to 90% of all the schools now. It's rare that you actually talk to someone. So you just put in the information, the dates that you think they attended. Sometimes it'll get a hit, sometimes it won't. But you have to take an extra step if it's not coming back online as to, you know, matching with what they're saying on their resume. And so that's what's taking the extra step is getting to the right person at the university to talk to you and give you a little bit more information if things aren't matching. But it, it is changing a lot of things because just like the work number, um, which is for employment purposes, a lot of businesses and schools are just, you know, basically out how you know outsourcing that to big warehouses of information yeah and there are a couple other caveats too one being in some cases some institutions require a consent correct from the subject right and uh and we recommend just to stay within bounds in the uh, fair credit reporting act the uh, fcra that you get a consent to conduct such a background check uh, uh, for pre-employment purposes, and that's that's very important, isn't it, Wendy? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yeah. Especially with the work information, you know, a lot of that stuff. As I was mentioning earlier, you have to have signed um, authorization by the subject, which is it, which is kind of counterintuitive because you would think you would think that if you're an employer and somebody's claiming that they worked for you, you would you would think that they would want to flush out anybody that's falsely representing themselves as having worked for you. But it is, it's a weird barrier that's been put in place now, just like the, the education where you can't just pick up a phone sometimes and actually chat with somebody about length of employment or anything, you know, departure dates, things like that. So if you don't have that signed authorization, sometimes that information is pretty hard to come by. Yeah, no, and in fact, with some of my clients, uh, I have a very fairly extensive disclosure form right. that I lend to the client. They they've got the subject uh, can fill out and complete, which actually does two things: it gets the consent, and then also provides affirmative details where they are basically certifying the certain facts. And of course, if we find anything any discrepancies there, that's that's pretty pretty big red flag. But in the education arena, um, as you said. Most uh, institutions now have farmed out their verification process 
to the National Student Clearinghouse, uh, which is a, a subscriber website uh, that uh, that does this thing. And you have to have certain uh, identifying information to be able to do these kinds of checks, like a, a, day, a full date of birth is, is is necessary. And it's helpful to know, you know, when somebody you know, supposedly attended and and what right. what, what the degree was and what have you. Um, but there are some, I mean, like Harvard Business School, for example, um, you still have to call, which I do mm-hmm. regularly, you know, uh, and say, hey, you talk to, uh, or even email. Sometimes I can just email a registrar uh, and uh, and they'll get back to you with the, the basic name, rank, and serial number information. Um, like you said, it's not as, um, you know, freewheeling. Uh, disclosures that uh, that institutions make anymore. It's usually fairly co- uh, concise. Date, you know, dates of empl- uh, dates of attendance and degrees conferred, and maybe uh, if there's an honor uh, conferred as well. Correct. Yeah, it's very hit or miss in terms of what information comes back. And sometimes you can be a little. You're just taking a guess as to the years they attended, and they're pretty good about you know. Oh, actually, it was two years earlier, and you know, graduation was two years earlier than claimed, or or you know, some so some. Simple dates can also be confirmed by them, even if you put in the you know wrong wrong dates. Right. Depends so, on the institution. Uh, right. So another one point here, another of the top ten resumes: stretching dates of employment. So, in other words, people where they've got an unexplained gap, or they don't, they simply don't want to show that. Oh, yeah, I was out of work for you know a year and a half uh, collecting unemployment. Uh, they stretch the employment dates on either end of uh, of that to try to close the gap and make it less, you know, whatever, embarrassing uh, in some cases. You, you've seen cases like that. All the time, all the time, it, you, because it is interesting. They're assuming that as a lot of a lot of employers or potential employers assume because it's on their LinkedIn, et cetera, that they have these dates and these dates are set in stone. But until you start doing a little poking, then you'll suddenly realize that there is as, as Chris says, uh, maybe a year, up to a year gap. And then when they're pushed on it, they'll usually say, oh, I had my own business for a little while or something like that. But it's if you're just going by what LinkedIn is saying and what Google is saying, like those types of dates, then you're not going to have the full picture until you actually, you know, call and hopefully talk to someone on the resume or at the at the business and find out exactly what those dates are then then you'll be comfortable but there if there's gaps there's there's more digging to be made to figure out exactly what was going on while they were as they say in the business on the beach uh, right. between between uh, between gigs right so another one point number 3 inflating past accomplishments and skills so that's something where, you know, you're basically saying, oh, yeah, well, I actually did this, I earned that, or I've got, you know, these certain skills that I acquire while doing uh, doing whatever I did. This is a little bit harder right. to verify sometimes, no? You have to talk to a real person on those. I mean, there's no way you're going to be able to find that out from, you know, the HR department. Um, all they're going to tell you is the dates. Certainly, right. anything like the work number, et cetera. So, if you want to get anything that's a little more detailed than just start and end date, you're definitely going to have to talk to somebody because there's no way to confirm that unless and you talk to somebody that was their supervisor, worked with them, or somebody that's in the know on that stuff. Yeah, and that's a very uh, important point. Uh, I always tell clients, "Is look, you're these people are going to give a bunch of 
references. And are the references going to be good or bad? Of course, they're all going to be good, right? You have to talk to what I call the non-references, people who are supervisors or others. Um, and the HR department is going to give name, rank, and serial number. They're not going to give any color to what um, – what you're, you know, you're trying to find out right. uh, about somebody and their strengths and weaknesses and what have you. Uh, so you've got to find these other folks. And uh, wh- what's your strategy on that, Wendy? <clears throat> well, it's really kind of working back towards it. So yes, you'll start with some of the references that you have that they've provided to you. But the thing to always ask is, who else can I speak with that's worked right. with X before? That's the way you get to it. And they'll some some will be reluctant, some will give up names immediately, and that's how you get to it. You're not exactly. going to get any sort of an organizational chart or anything. It's all about getting the information out of the out of the um, the people that they've already put as references. Right, so just and this pushing is, it a little bit further. Yeah, and it's important too. And it's tough sometimes, especially when a company's been is defunct or was acquired or what uh, have you. That's a, so that's a big it, area for fraud. Nobody to talk right. to. Right, and it's, so it's hard to find sometimes, hard to find people who uh, you can talk to, and, and I try to call these folks at home. You don't want to call them at work uh, because they're going to they're gonna sort of revert back to the name, rank, and serial number. But uh-huh. if you can get them out of context, sometimes they're going to be a little bit more forthcoming about, oh, yeah, you know, I work with Harry. Uh, Harry's great. You know, love him. But, uh, you know, he had a bit of a drinking problem. Right, right. I mean, that usually doesn't happen, but, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, just moving on here. Um, so inflating, we talked about inflating past accomplishments and skills, enhancing titles and responsibilities is another one. Find, uh-huh. not, not, you know, find distinction there. Again, that's one that you're going to get often through talking to people. Um, the next one is unexplained gaps and periods of self-employment. We touched on that a bit right. about the stretching of dates, but uh, yeah, there may be a whole gap there, and it's just unexplained. You know, uh, what was it? Uh, were they in the state pen <laughs> for right. that two-year period? I mean, I've had cases like that. I mean, you've seen that, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the unaccounted for time frame turns out to be very interesting time spent. <laughs> and and, uh, and one of my favorites is um, omitting past employment. So what happens is people put down – I mean, people naturally want to put their best face forward when they put together a resume and, and, and try to sell themselves to get, to get a job. So they're going to put their best, best face forward. So if let's say they got hired you know, for six months, they worked somewhere, and then they got shit canned for some reason – uh, you know the 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 uh, the tendency is yeah you know I don't I'm not I'm just not going to put that one down, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. How do you that how do you find that one? Do you and what's uh, I mean you've seen that before? Well, the biggest way is press releases. Is there and again, Chris and I are talking about a level that's pretty high. So so people that get hired usually do have some press releases and things. So that's where you find a lot of that that type of information. An announcement that somebody's joining a team and then that just never shows up on the resume. What happened there? Probably that they didn't last long at that firm and 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 left. But that's my usually when I'm doing these types of things. I, I'm thoroughly scouring uh, media and press releases because a lot of times, like I say, they'll make an announcement and then there's no follow up and it's never on the never on the resume and it's just like it never happened. Also, talking to people, obviously, when you're talking to somebody, where did this person come from? What was their employment before? You, you might be surprised. They might bring up a name that has not appeared on the resume, and then you need to go explore and find out what the story is with that business. 
Yeah, no, and that's it's a really important, uh, and this is uh, th- this happens quite a bit, people, um, where pe- where the candidate or the uh, you know the new management team or whatever uh, simply puts you know omits uh, you know some some employment history, and you find that so you find that out of the press releases, you find that out of various announcements, or maybe it's they've been quoted in the media. Uh, you also find it in corporate filings. Sometimes you find a, an affiliation with a. But you know, somebody used to be a director of some entity, and say, like, "Oh, this is this is no, I haven't heard of it. This company, what's this all about?" So, so sometimes you kind of have to go back and forth with the client. Correct? Absolutely, for sure. And and it is interesting because a lot of times they're just willing to let that slide, and it's really our job to make sure that they have the full picture of the person before they're hired. Right. Right. Well, we're gonna. Uh, take another break uh, before our last uh, our last uh, segment here, and we've got a few more points of the top ten resume lies uh, that we're going to go through with Wendy, and we're going to also talk a little bit about the background check- checking process uh, as a whole. So we'll be back in two minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. 
And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. My guest today is Wendy Sullivan, uh, and she is a career private investigator and expert in all things due diligence and background checking, among other things. Uh, Welcome back, Wendy. Thanks, Chris. Uh, we're talking about the top 10 resume lies, and I want to get into this because our time is short. Uh, the next one I had on my list was faking credentials, and that is, you know, so you get a CPA or you got a, you know, if you're a member of some a certain uh, professional association or a doctor or a lawyer. Um, this happens also not infrequently. You've seen this, Wendy? Tons of times, absolutely, and and it is it, it, that's another thing that's at the bottom of a resume. People assume if somebody's a CPA that they're a member of all the associations they claim to be. It's worthwhile to go into each each uh, organization and confirm somebody's uh, membership in in such a membership <laughs> membership in such an organization because that really why are you putting down things that aren't true if it's something to do with um, CPAs other than trying to inflate your resume. Right, right. CPA specifically, because there's so many organizations that they can belong to. And and again, this is relatively easy to check. You can call the you know, for the CPAs is the you know the Society of CPAs in that particular state. Um, uh, so it's you know again dumb thing to do. Fake the credentials. It's easy to check as long Very as people easy. are checking. Uh, another one is misrepresenting the military record. Um, you've seen this, correct? I have, and that's one of the more difficult ones. I think a lot of people do um, kind of fake that because it's it's a very involved process to to confirm stuff in the military most of the time. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, tell tell us how that that process. <laughs> I haven't had <laughs> well, to do it for quite a while, but it is. Well, the- yeah, I mean, the, the, the military maintains a record center out in St. Louis, uh, which had actually burned down uh, yeah. some years ago, and a segment of military records is gone, I think, from the sort of the pre, you know, between Korea and Vietnam era. Um, but in any event, you have to write to this uh, organization, and uh, you send them a letter, you send them the details about uh, who the individual is and what they, you know, when you think they were there and, you know, the branch, et cetera. And they come, they come back to you. And the problem here is that it's usually, you know, three weeks, four weeks. It takes, oh, takes time, right? Right. Yeah. So if you're trying on a, you know, to, you know, there's some companies trying to hire somebody and they're trying to make quick decisions, that's usually difficult to verify. But always make your hiring contingent upon, a, an accepted uh, background check, correct? Absolutely. And the quick thing I'm going to say about the military, too, is it's a similar situation to things like the work number or um, the National Student Clearinghouse. Not a lot more detail. You're not talking to a live person. So if there is anything like a military uh, background on somebody's resume, you should get that request in as soon as possible just so that you know we can account for the, the gap between the, the request and actually getting the information back from them. Right. And so uh, the n- another one is providing fraudulent references. We touched upon this. I mean, references are always going to be good. I mean, I've had cases. I had a case where the person, you know, gave a number of name and number of somebody. The telephone number was actually a cell phone number for the subject themselves. So they gave themselves their own their own uh, reference, which was BS. You don't want to hire that person anyway. They're not bright enough to, <laughs> to hide it properly. <laughs> but, you know, you give, you know, you put down the name of a friend and, and claim that they're worked at such and so there was a supervisor at such and such and the friend helps them out. I mean, that's, 
I mean, you've seen that before. Absolutely, and that brings up, you know, back to the earlier um, comments that we were making about even with references, you know, ask, ask that person who else you can talk to so that you're going to actually get references that knew the individual that aren't listed by them for one reason or another. That for all you know, these, these ones that you've kind of developed from the, um, from the references they've put on the resume, they all could be complimentary as well and usually are. Um, but, you know, you're just looking for, for anybody that's going to speak up that, that's not on the, on the references that actually has some more information that might be key to a hiring decision. Exactly. So always ask for uh, who else can I talk to about right. this person. Uh, and that's going to get you, you know, and then keep going. Don't just rely on the res- the uh, the references because it's just going to be inadequate, and of course they're all going to be good. Right. Uh, so that's uh, it uh, sort of defeats the point of getting any kind of color on strengths and weaknesses of uh, of a candidate. Um, the last one, the point number ten, falsifying reasons for leaving prior employment and other things, other non disclosures, other things in people's backgrounds that they wouldn't necessarily want to. To, um, to have revealed. And this is where that disclosure form I mentioned before comes in, where we go through and we ask, you know, have you ever been convicted of a, of a, uh, of a, uh, a felony? Have you ever uh, had a bankruptcy? Have you ever, you know, had a, a taxing authority come after you for, for a tax lien? Things like that um, is important. Um, so, um, Falsifying reasons for prior employment usually means, well, they got shit can for some reason, but they, you know, they leave it, you know, of course they're not going to say that, but um, uh, how do you go about that, Wendy? How do I, I'm sorry, I missed that? Yeah, how do you, how do you try to sort out whether somebody was lying about why they left the, you know, their well, prior? That, that gets back to the references and speaking to other people within the firm. That, again, I, I guess we can't emphasize enough how much talking to somebody that's not, that's not an obvious uh, person to talk to on the resume will help you with things like that. So speaking with somebody that worked in the same department when this person left this, this um, position, of course, you're not going to ask flat out why did they leave, but you can get to that information by very uh, carefully placed questions in yeah. terms of where did they go right afterwards, do you know what happened, do you still keep in touch, things like that will we'll kind of start drawing them out so that you can kind of get a little bit more of a narrative about what happened while they were there and why they left. Right, and get let's get into this. We only have a couple minutes here, but let's get into this. The uh, the other areas where you know um, you were telling me about a case that you just did, uh, which somebody was being hired as CFO. Tell me, tell me about that. Right. So this again, this was one of those situations where they didn't want to scare off the uh, the candidate, but. Uh, Within five seconds of me starting the uh, background on them, the first thing that popped up was a bankruptcy from two years previous. So obviously that's something that she had not disclosed to the employers, came as a rather sh- big shock to them, because, of course, if you're, if you're dealing with somebody in a, in a role that involves the handling and, and management of money and they can't manage their own uh, personal finances, there may be a reason. It just opens a discussion so that if you if the employers are still interested in hiring this person, then they can go back to them and say, "Tell us a little bit about what happened two years ago." Maybe yeah. maybe that they have an answer that totally is is satisfactory, and the hire goes forward. And it's a lot of it would be how how do they react when confronted with that information? Trying to pretend it's not them, you know, who knows? But it will tell right. you a lot about the candidate to see how they react when actually something negative like that comes up on their resume. 
Sure. And, you know, there are legitimate reasons sometimes, you know, there's Absolutely. a divorce, things fall apart, uh, financially, serious problems, what have you. Uh, but again, if you're hiring somebody in a fiduciary role, you kind of don't want to have personal bankruptcies, liens and judgments uh, that you're coming across in the public record. Again, that's easy stuff to find. Public record, right, Wendy? Ah, it's the most easy. That's how you start out an investigation into someone's background is running those things like da- da- databases that are going to tell you about bankruptcies, liens, judgments, uh, criminal records. Those usually pop up pretty quickly. Some you have to dig a little bit further, but you know, not everything's available online, as you and I well know. A lot of people think it is, but it's not. A lot of it is actual legwork, calling people, going to the courts, that kind of thing that helps yeah. also develop a background on someone. Yeah, here in Massachusetts, we're so antiquated in our records. You'd think we'd be like high tech, but uh, record you have you actually have to go to the clerk of the court's office to see check if some, somebody's had you know been involved in a civil lawsuit or or what have you. It's uh, it's ridiculous. It varies county to county, state to state. It really does. It, and and one really, search is not going to do it. There's no there's no one place for all that information. Not at all. And I know you keep and I keep a proprietary list of every single state, every jurisdiction, you know, what's available, what's not in, in the public domain. Uh, so just, uh, you know, we've got 10 seconds here. The f- Getting, uh, you know, the background check process involves two things, as Wendy has described. One, check the public record because you're going you may find things in there from a corporate filing to a media out you know media reference to a job that they had that wasn't put on the resume to a criminal case or a bankruptcy uh but secondly uh and more importantly as Wendy's also explained talking to people talking to the references talking to the non references and they're going to give you color about who people are what their strengths and weaknesses are and it's going to be a much better cleaner hiring process right Wendy absolutely absolutely and, and as Chris and I were discussing, you know, I think corporations that should have a, a certain level where this is just absolutely required and done every yeah. time on a new hire and during the hire. All right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut it off right there. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next uh, next Monday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard to 7 a, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon. We'll be right back.